and you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. The email is right now, Jim Dawes at gmail.com. And you can drop a voicemail at 772-245-0750. Leave your questions or comments and we might use your call on the air. That number is 772-245-0750. Well, we had a rare outbreak of bipartisanship in the U.S. Congress yesterday. Uh, In the House of Representatives, they passed a resolution, including uh, an overwhelming number of the Republicans, condemning Donald Trump's withdrawal uh, of the um, remnant forces that we had in Syria that were basically just acting as a tripwire, sort of a, um, a temptation for one of the sectarian uh, groups over there to uh, to uh, attack and drag the United States into a wider war over there. And in the U.S. Senate, uh, they passed uh, a uh, um, an effort to override the president's veto of their uh, resolution uh, denying him emergency declaration funds to build the wall. Ten or more, I think, no, yeah, 10 Republicans, and I'll read their names later in the show, joined with the uh, every single Democrat in the chamber to override the president's veto that would have denied him funds, uh, veto of the resolution that would have denied him funds to build the wall. Sort of a convoluted uh, process because in 1977, I think it was, Congress passed this emergency Declaration Powers Act for the president, and uh, Trump availed himself of that uh, in order to access funds to build the wall. And that uh, the Senate's or the Congress's um, way to uh, reverse that was to uh, vote it down, vote in, against his declaration. Of course, he vetoed that, and then they tried to override it and uh, failed yesterday. But they failed to get the two-thirds majority in the Senate that they needed, but they did uh, vote uh, in the majority to deny the president the ability to build the wall. So, you know, the only thing that Washington can agree on, apparently, is that we need to keep our troops in the Middle East forever, and we don't need to secure our borders. That was the outbreak of bipartisanship in Washington, D.C. yesterday. Keep our troops defending other nations. Don't defend our own. That's what our leaders in Washington can agree on. And that's why I keep saying the best indication that you will have that you are on the right track is when the establishment in Washington, D.C. disagrees with you. And the majority was on record yesterday disagreeing with Donald Trump's withdrawal of troops from Syria and his determination to protect America by building a wall on our southern border. 
That's how you know he's right. Oh, yes, there was one other thing that pretty much everybody agreed, and not everybody, but uh, the majority of the uh, establishment in Washington agreed on, and that is that they mourned the passing of Elijah Cumming, the head of the House Oversight Committee that has been spending all of his time since the Democrats took the majority in this feverish pursuit uh, to, to unseat the president that we elected in 2016. You had Republicans, including um, uh, Me- Meadows, Mark Meadows, and uh, um, the recently retired Senate, uh, the recently retired representative from South Carolina, coming out and just uh, just gushing about what a uh, what a great man Elijah Cumming was. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because uh, I'm a Southerner and we're taught that if you can't say anything nice about the dead, don't say anything. Well, I'm not going to have to spend any more time on that except to say that Elijah Cumming went to his grave, a bitter and broken man, trying to, uh, trying to unseat a president of the United States and I don't mourn his passing. So in the uh, Senate, uh, you had old Mitt Romney, a strident um, anti-Trumper, a really despicable individual who made his fortune by uh, taking people's jobs, stealing their health care benefits and their pensions, and, uh, and became quite wealthy doing that, who failed in a... a what should have been a relatively easy opportunity to beat Obama in the uh, 2012 election and is trying his best to become the next John McCain in the U.S. Senate, and that is the Democrats and the mainstream media's favorite Republican because he can always be counted on to say something bad about his fellow Republicans. And he's, he's... carrying the torch along with Lindsey Graham in the Senate that somehow removing our troops from uh, any country in the Middle East is a disaster and we can't do it. It's a violation of our, of our um, values as Americans. And so I, I did a little searching and I found a clip from back in 2007 that was 12 years ago where Romney was pointing out the mess that our involvement over there, in this case, our invasion of Iraq, had created um, in the in the region, and he specifically mentions the trouble we're going to have with the Kurds on the border of Turkey. Today, the attention of the nation is focused on Iraq. All Americans want our troops home as soon as possible, but walking away from Iraq or dividing it in parts and then walking away would present grave risks to America. Iran could seize the Shia South, Al-Qaeda could dominate the Sunni West, and the Kurds could destabilize the border with Turkey. A regional conflict could ensue, perhaps even requiring the return of our troops into far worse circumstances. And all of that came to pass. But, but it came to pass not because we brought our troops home, but because we went in there to begin with. We've been bogged down there. What is it? 18, 19 years now. 
And each and every time this president has tried to withdraw our troops from someplace, the Washington establishment has lost their minds, and they're doing it again. What you basically got going on over there is Turkey is trying to get a 20-mile buffer zone on its border to stop these attacks by the Kurdish PKK, a terrorist group that uses uh, uh, its bases in Syria to attack Turkey. Now, Turkey has accepted 2 million, is currently housing 2 million Syrian refugees at great expense to itself. It wants to repatriate those Syrian refugees, and it wants to use this 20-mile buffer zone in order to do that. Millions more, by the way, have fled the destabilization that the neocons engineered in Syria and landed in Europe. And you know uh, the great problems that's causing over there. But Rand Paul um, appeared on a show called The Rising. It's uh, put out by the website The Hill and, uh, and talked about how Trump's withdrawal from Syria was actually the best thing that could happen for the Kurds. And we're talking a little bit about war. You've been outspoken on the Syrian issue. Now, is, is it a false choice to present that withdrawal is the only option other than endless war? I think that uh, any time we put our soldiers into a war zone, they are at war. And so we have these debates where people say, well, it was a kinetic action and uh, there were bombs going off, but we weren't shooting guns, so it wasn't war. Serious a war, all right? Hundreds of thousands of people have died, millions of people displaced. It is a war. To be put into a war, our oath is to declare war. And so that's the, the messy thing about it is, who would you declare war on? That's why I insist on it in a way and why I'm insisting on it more because Lindsey Graham and his folks will come back and say, we're going to have a resolution saying that the president shouldn't have moved the troops and 50 troops should be there, which is insane upon itself to say, to think that 50 people are going to deter anything. But really, if they have to be there, there should be a declaration of war against who? Turkey or NATO ally, free Syrian army, used to be our ally, now allied with the Turks, Assad, the Kurds. I think the irony of this whole thing, and this is my prediction, is that I think the Kurds are going to be better off allied with Assad because they frankly need a Syrian uh, sponsor. We were never staying there. The president never promised to stay there. He said we're going to wipe out ISIS. We did. You got all these neocons saying, oh, well, we're just so lucky they fought our war for us. Really? They live there. We helped them fight their war. We gave them weapons and we helped them beat some terrible people, the ISIS. They did a lot of the fighting, but we never promised we were staying and creating a country. And frankly, all along, people knew, and even when Obama started this, there was a discussion that Turkey was never going to tolerate this. So I frankly think all the hyperventilating over moving 50 soldiers is just kind of ridiculous. What are you supposed to do? sit there when 10,000, 20,000 Turks come across the border. But I think there is a chance that Assad and Erdogan, if Assad will guarantee his side of the border, uh, that there could be a retreat of Turkey back within its borders, and you actually could maybe set up something where the Kurds actually get some provincial or semi-autonomous control. Well, that's exactly what happens, and Trump has engineered that. Basically, the argument the neocons and the military-industrial complex in Washington is making is that if we go in uh, to one of these hot spots in the Middle East, and I would argue that we shouldn't, but if we do, then we can never leave because the conditions that we went in to begin with might return. Well, that's always going to be the case. And if you uh, subscribe to that uh, 
principle or that um, uh, that false choice, then we can never leave. And, not, and the uh, Washington establishment, who is largely funded by the military-industrial complex, would like nothing better. And so Rand Paul mentioned there about Lindsey Graham uh, raising this this resolution in the Senate to mirror the one that passed in the House of Representatives condemning Trump's withdrawal from Syria. And they did that yesterday. And let me let me just say, uh, Lindsey Graham uh, had a news conference where he he went forward uh, with this intention to raise this resolution in the Senate, and I have no doubt that it'll pass. And up there with him, he had some of the most loathsome creatures in the U.S. Senate on the Democrat side, including Sidney Blumenthal, the guy that claimed to be a Vietnam War veteran and was busted by Donald Trump for lying about that. He never uh, served in Vietnam. But uh, Lindsey, you know, was up there surrounded by these, uh, these Democrats, these rabid Democrats that have been attacking this president threatening to undermine the president's uh, removal of these uh, this small uh, remnant of American troops in Syria. Here's what he had to say. Uh, Turkey's incursion into Syria uh, hurts America's national security. It puts at risk our... Cur- How exactly does Turkey's incursion into Syria hurt America's national security? Turkey has a long border with Syria. They have been suffering uh, repeated incursions by terrorists, many of them PKK Kurds, by the way, and they have uh, had to put up with 2 million refugees fleeing the war that American neocons engineered in Syria. And now they want to establish a 20-mile buffer zone, and Lindsey Graham has got his panties in a bunch, saying that that somehow threatens America's national security? You notice when they make these statements, they never explain exactly how that would endanger American national security. British allies who were there for us when nobody else was on the ground, and the Syrian Democratic Forces were the ground troops to destroy the caliphate. About 2,700 Americans, God bless them all, but the, the infantry for the assault on Raqqa and destroying the caliphate in Syria were the Syrian Democratic Forces, and we believe that Erdogan's decision to go into uh, Syria puts our allies at risk. We believe that the rise of ISIS is imminent if this continues. We believe that the rise of ISIS is imminent. We've, we've taken away their caliphate. We've taken away their funding. We've, mur- we've uh, killed their uh, leadership. We've um, scattered them to the wind. And now we have to stay in Syria forever to make sure that they don't come back because some ragtag red ender or dead ender raised a uh, ISIS flag. This is the depth of their uh, geopolitical strategy. And I mentioned uh, Sidney Blumenthal, not Sidney Blumenthal, uh, the the senator from Connecticut, uh, Blumenthal. He got up to speak right after uh, Lindsey Graham. And as I say, when you're on a stage with Sidney Blumenthal on, uh, uh, you know, advocating the same policy, you should reevaluate your policy. And Americans should feel horror, shame, and deep disappointment that that lasting damage 
is being done to America's credibility. The windfall here is to Iran and Russia. Again, to Vladimir Putin. Why always is Putin the winner? Why always does America have to fight other people's wars? Why would we prefer to get between uh, the Kurds and the Turks and the Syrian government and all of the other sectarian forces spinning out of control in Syria instead of allowing Russia to do it? What possible value is there to the United States to getting involved in 100-year-old blood feuds halfway around the world when Russia's willing to do it? Russia's willing to spend its blood and treasure to do it. Why do we care? Simply to deny Vladimir Putin the opportunity to uh, to get into a war that we ought to get out of? It's really quite confounding. I was uh, I was searching the internet uh, to try to get the um, the take from the left side of the political spectrum on Donald Trump's you know trying to uh, to get us out of these wars because you would think that uh, the the Democrats and the left who try to hold themselves as you know purveyors of peace would not be. Uh, united in their opposition of Donald Trump trying to get us out of these wars. And I found this clip of a young lady called Kim Iverson. Uh, she operates a, uh, a video blog called The Progressive Veteran. And she's totally confused and flummoxed on how to react to all of this. But this is what happens when you're anti-war in America. You will be eviscerated. And we see it with Tulsi Gabbard. We see how she gets smeared by the left of all people. You know, the left who's supposed to be this anti-war party. And yet Donald Trump, the Republican clown, he's the one saying a lot of companies want to fight because they make their weapons based on fighting, not based on peace. I mean, that's the guy who's actually speaking truth to this. The one time, you know, the, 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 and he's a Republican and we, you know, I mean, just look at it doesn't even make sense. He's saying the lines that the Democrats should have been saying. But every candidate who comes out against war gets smeared. And you're seeing it happen right now with Donald Trump. I mean, you're seeing how they're just the left and the right. I mean, he's got right wingers now. Mitt Romney coming out today, giving his grand speech. talk. Yeah, Mitt Romney. The media's new favorite Republican. He's, uh, we can really call him John McCain Jr., probably. But the president got a big win yesterday. He sent uh, uh, Vice President Pence and uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo over to Turkey to try to organize a ceasefire, and they were successful. And what they did was uh, get an agreement that uh, the Kurds will withdraw from the 20-mile buffer zone with Turkey during this five-day ceasefire. Uh, and if they do that, then um, then Turkey will uh, suspend its operations inside Turkey. Perfectly reasonable ec- um, resolution to all of this. Here's Mike Pence announcing it. One week ago, Turkish forces crossed into Syria. 
Earlier this week, President Trump took decisive action to call on Turkish forces to stand down, to end the violence, to agree to negotiations. And today, uh, I'm proud to report, thanks to the strong leadership of President Donald Trump and the strong relationship between President Erdogan and Turkey and the United States of America, that today the United States and Turkey have agreed to a ceasefire in Syria. Turkish side will pause Operation Peace Spring in order to allow for the withdrawal of YPG forces from the safe zone for 120 hours. All military operations under Operation Peace Spring will be paused and Operation Peace Spring will be halted entirely on completion of the withdrawal. Now this is a beautiful outcome. We had a, uh, a short outbreak of uh, tensions to try to let Turkey reestablish our NATO ally, by the way, reestablish some security on its border and an opportunity to repatriate 2 million Syrian refugees that they're hosting. And now we've got a ceasefire that if the Kurds um, withdraw 20 miles from the Turkish border, that they will uh, cease military operations. You would think that somebody would give this this administration some credit for having achieved this end that serves our national interest, a national interest of one of our NATO allies, minimizes um, you know the bloodshed over in the region. But no, old Chuck Schumer proceeded with this uh, resolution in the Senate to try to mirror the one in the House of Representatives. The most important thing we can do right now is send President Trump a message that Congress, the vast majority of Democrats and Republicans, demand he reverse course. And I'm asking this as unanimous consent not to go through a long, regular process. Yeah, we don't want to have anybody have to go on record so the American people can see how they voted. Because the bottom line is the longer we wait, the more Kurds will die. Our allies, the more ISIS prisoners will escape, and the greater danger, hour by hour, day by day, America falls into. How are we falling into any danger? We're withdrawing ourselves from danger, you doofus. So we should move this resolution. We need unanimous consent. So I'd plead with my colleague from Kentucky and anyone else who might object. Thankfully... Those pleas to Senator Rand Paul fell on deaf ears. To let us have the vote. Let us make our arguments and prevail. We're willing to do debate time. Let us not say it has to be my way or the highway when so many lives and such danger is at risk. I will object to this resolution. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're going to vote to keep us in a foreign war, at least the American people need to know how you came down on this. When we come back from the break, we're going to have a a lot of coverage from Donald Trump's rally in Dallas, Texas last night. It was the biggest uh, indoor event. He's had bigger events at outdoor stadiums, but this is his biggest indoor event where they put 20,000 people inside this arena in Dallas and had another 30,000 outside watching on, on screens. And all of this 
is in the environment of this Washington establishment attack on Donald Trump for getting us out of the uh, the Middle East and this uh, fevered impeachment effort. We're also going to hear Matt Gatz and his opposition to the House resolution condemning our withdrawal in Syria. The president is winning. The Democrats are on the run, but you would not know it looking at the mainstream media. And the reason the president's winning is because he's on the side of the American people. And the establishment in D.C. is on the opposite side. We'll be back after two messages right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. If Turkey is not acting like a NATO ally, perhaps the sensible solution is to remove Turkey from NATO rather than keeping the United States inserted in Syria, presumably forever. This is why I oppose this resolution. I've heard my colleagues say we should not leave Syria without a strategy. Perhaps it is equally logical that we should not stay in Syria without a strategy. Because in Syria, we have tens of Americans stuck between armies of tens of thousands who have been fighting each other for hundreds of years and who will likely be fighting each other hundreds of years from now. Our mission to deprive ISIS of caliphate land has largely been accomplished with the help of the Kurds and with over $9 billion being paid to the Kurds. The Kurds have been fighting bravely where they live, but they have been trained, funded, and equipped by the United States. And we cannot accept the proposition that if we support a group of people because our interests align in one case, that this somehow morally binds our country to every conflict that they have, past, present, or future. To do this would constrain strain the utility of America's future alliances, not strengthen them. The blood of America's patriots is among our nation's most sacred currency, and it must be spent only when absolutely vital to protect American interests. We are not the world's police force. We are not the world's piggy bank. I support an America first policy on our foreign policy, and I oppose this resolution. I yield back. The brilliant Matt Getz, representatives from the uh, panhandle of Florida, summarizing uh, just devastatingly the argument against us staying in Syria and in support of 
uh, the president getting out of Syria. He was speaking, of course, in opposition to this resolution that passed in the House of Representatives yesterday. But this really uh, illustrates, you know, uh, Matt Gaetz is a rising star in the Republican Party, probably one of the most effective and persuasive voices in the GOP now. I expect fully that he will be um, the next senator from the state of Florida at some point, and that uh, that we've got big things in the future for Matt Gatz. So we're going to use this uh, this half hour of the program to uh, to cover Trump's rally in Dallas, Texas last night, where he put 20,000 people inside the arena, standing room only, and had an additional 30,000 people in the parking lot watching on screens, having a good time, even though they didn't get inside. And all of this is in this environment that the Democrats have created, this fevered pursuit to try to impeach Donald Trump and uh, and these um, uh, establishment Washington condemning his withdrawal from Syria. And if the Democrats think they're going to beat this guy, they've got another thing coming because they basically, these Democrats uh, uh, running for the nomination, have given him given him all the information, all of the material that he needs to to just destroy the Democrat Party in this upcoming general election. He works harder than they do. He's smarter than they are, and he is using their own words against him. So we're going to start out by the most relevant clip, a sort of a segue from the Syria topic, where Donald Trump is talking to the um, assembled multitude about this situation in Syria. And as you all know, I guess you've been watching today, I sent Vice President Pence and Secretary of State Pompeo to lead an American delegation to meet with President Erdogan of Turkey. They got there today and it did work. Without spilling a drop of American blood, not one drop of American blood. We've all agreed on a pause or a ceasefire in the border region of Syria. And it was unconventional what I did. I said, they're going to have to fight a little while. Sometimes you have to let them fight a little while. Then people find out how tough the fighting is. These guys know right up here. These guys know. Right? Sometimes you have to let them fight. It's like two kids in a lot. You got to let them fight and then you pull them apart. But it was unconventional. But they fought for a few days, and it was pretty vicious. And the Kurds, who are our friends, and Turkey's our friend. But they fought. It was tougher. I mean, it was nasty. And you couldn't make a deal for 15, think of it, for 15 years, 20 years, they couldn't make a deal. The Kurds didn't want to move. Turkey didn't want to budge. And Turkey was having a lot of bad things happen from this region, in all fairness to Turkey. They were having a lot of bad, but they didn't want to. Now all of a sudden they're fighting, and it's not fun having bullets going all over the place. And we went there, and we said, we want to pause. And the Kurds have been terrific. They're going to move back a little bit. We're going to keep ISIS all nice and locked up, okay? We're going to find more of them. (laughs) 
And Turkey's all set, and President Erdogan was great, and we're going to take the worst sanctions and tariffs and everything that I put on the country. We put the worst the — wor I mean, I don't think they could have economically survived, but that doesn't matter. President Erdogan was a gentleman. He understood it. But without a little tough love — you know what tough love is, right? Without a little tough love, they would have never made this deal. President Obama lost a million people in the area. A million people. A million people. So now we're doing a — during a five-day period, we're going to see if we can get it all finalized. And I think it will be. I think it will be. So Turkey's going to be happy. The Kurds are going to be happy. ISIS is going to be unhappy. We'll deal with whoever we have to deal with, but we'll get it done. And it's a great tribute to a lot of very talented people. And thank you to Vice President Pence, and thank you to Mike Pompeo. Well, that clip ends there. I wish I had uh, uh, the rest of it where uh, you see that that is the longest, most sustained um, applause that he received in the whole evening. And all of this is an extension of Donald Trump actually representing the will of the American people, populism. And against this conventional wisdom in Washington, D.C., that has driven us into a ditch in one area after another, in foreign policy and domestic policy and budgetary policy and protecting our borders and trade policy, almost everything that this, this group in Washington touches turns, uh, turns into a mess. And Donald Trump is the only one at this point standing between us and more of this lunacy coming out of Washington, D.C., so we're going to get to these clips right now. The, uh, he starts out uh, acknowledging the crowd size there in Dallas. And by the way, I have to say this. So outside they have close to 30,000 people. And I wonder if I could ask the fire marshal, fill up this little area, let him in. It'd be so nice. You know, they have a certain max. We broke the record tonight. So you remember all of the, uh, the uh, gnashing of teeth and wringing of garments that went on when Donald Trump uh, pointed out that he had a, a bigger um, in, uh, inauguration crowd than the media acknowledged. Well, now you notice that the media doesn't acknowledge the huge crowds that Donald Trump is able to turn out night after night. Here he is going on to just hammer the Democrats in the left wing uh, in their uh, nomination process. They want to tear down symbols of faith and drive Christians and religious believers from the public square. They want to silence your voices on social media, and they want the government to censor, muzzle, and shut down conservative voices. You know that. They want to tear down symbols of faith and drive... That, uh, that clip got kind of messed up there. I apologize. But uh, he continues to, uh, to hammer the Democrat candidates <clears throat> by pointing out uh, their position on health care. Every single Democrat candidate for president raised their hand in favor of giving free health care to all illegal aliens. They want to give more to illegal aliens than they give to American citizens. You see that. 
As president, I will never allow the Democrats to take away your health care dollars and give them to people that are in our country illegally. Thank you. In fact, I just signed an executive action to protect American health care benefits for all American citizens. Now, this was in Texas, a large Latino population. Uh, there were signs throughout the arena and in the parking lot, Latinos for Trump. And you realize that Latinos are Americans, too. Both uh, both historic um, Latino Americans and, you know, recently arrived legal immigrants all oppose this radical agenda from the Democrats and the left to flood our nation with illegal immigration. And here is Trump touching on that very topic. Because it's all about your family. It's all about your future. And it's all about the future fate of our great country. So important. With your help, we will lift millions of more citizens from welfare to work, dependence to independence and poverty to prosperity. Together, we will elect a Republican Congress to create a safe, modern, fair, and lawful system of immigration. It was uh, it was a stem winder last night. Uh, what what which, what should we talk about next? Oh yes, oh yes. He touches on the uh, the former uh, fair haired child uh, from uh, Texas. Oh, Beto O'Rourke, who was, uh, until just recently, uh, the very favorite of all of the, uh, the establishment Democrats uh, and the, uh, the funders in Hollywood. Uh, he was going to take down the, uh, the, the dreaded Ted Cruz, and now his political future lies in utter ruins. Last week... A very dumb Democrat candidate for president, that's the end of him in this state, pledged to revoke the tax-exempt status of many churches and religious charities. That, of course, is a reference to um, Beto's uh, appearance at an LGBTQIA+. Uh, town hall held by CNN where he said that if uh, religious uh, organizations and churches disagreed or opposed uh, the homosexual agenda, that he would revoke their tax-exempt status. This is a, a doofus. This is somebody who doesn't understand freedom, doesn't understand the First Amendment, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and who doesn't understand the Second Amendment either. Last week, a very dumb... Stand by, I'll get this right. Here we go. The radical Democrats want to destroy America as we know it. They want to indoctrinate our children and teach them that America is a sinful, wicked nation. You see that happening all the time. And I know it from personal experience. What they want to teach your kids, not good... They come home, mommy, daddy, this is what I learned. And you're going, oh, no, don't tell me. Let's get them into another school fast. They want to disarm law-abiding citizens. They want to take your guns away. 
And they want to install far left judges to shred our constitution. It's not happening. Man, the uh, the Democrats got to be shaking in their boots because they know at this point they have to know if they don't know they're they truly are delusional that they have blown their opportunity. You know, um, the in 2018, uh, they they returned the House of Representatives to the Democrats when some hope that the Democrats would act as, as sort of a counterbalance to Donald Trump's more impulsive um, uh, policies. What the Democrats came in there and did was prove that everything that Donald Trump had been saying about them, about, you know, not having the best interests of the American people at heart, not uh, being able to govern or or really uh, do anything of any use. All of that has been validated at this point. And they're going to have to, uh, these, these Democrats that got elected from red districts are going to have to go and face the voters again. And I don't think that the voters are going to be too happy with them falling in line behind old Nancy. Opposing Trump getting out of the Middle East, trying to override his efforts to secure our border. Donald Trump went on to point out that the Democrats are really, at this point, an opposition force in Washington, D.C. against the American people. The radical left tolerates no dissent. It permits no opposition. It accepts no compromise. These people are crazy. And it has absolutely no respect for the will of the American people. Absolutely no respect. No even acknowledgement of the will of the American people. You got Nancy Pelosi up there mouthing these platitudes about how she's protecting the Constitution while she shreds every constitutional um, dictate in, in Article 1, Section 2 in this faux impeachment and ignores that the American people want her and her new majority in the House of Representatives to get something done, anything done that might benefit the American people. Donald Trump touched on this impeachment effort in the House of Representatives as well. What about the whistleblower? The whistleblower got it all wrong. Who's the whistleblower? Who's the whistleblower? (laughs) Who is the whistleblower? We have to know. Is the whistleblower a spy? And who is the IG that did this? All he had to do is look at the tape or look at the what they wrote down, the transcribed version of the phone call. Compare that to the whistleblower's account, and you see it had nothing to do with it. So why does the IG allow a thing like this to happen to our country? Remember when we were told that there was not only one whistleblower, but there were multiple whistleblowers that were being put up by this Soros-funded law, uh, law firm. Now, they don't want to talk about the whistleblower anymore because his connections with Adam Schiff's staff and how this whole thing was a put-up job is coming to light, so they just want to ignore the whistleblower. We don't want to talk about the whistleblower anymore. We need to know who this whistleblower was. The whistleblower in this whole effort is what uh, Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff used to launch this latest effort at impeachment. We need to know what was behind it. Is this more skullduggery, similar to what we saw in the Russiagate hoax? I think it was. And that's why they're so desperate to hide the identity of this whistleblower. But this will just uh, finish up on these clips from last night's campaign rally. 
the first of many. The energy that Donald Trump shows is just unbelievable. But he's uh, he's sort of summarizing, uh, making his closing argument, at least for last night. And I went and I said, oh, the great thing. I said to Ivanka, I said to the first lady, I said to anybody that would listen. I said, listen, this is so great. Finally, finally, we, all of us, we're going to be respected by the media. And you know what happened? They got worse. They're worse now than they ever have been. They're crooked as hell. They're worse now than they've ever been. They're crooked. The only message these radicals, and they are radical lefties, will understand is a crushing defeat on November 3rd, 2020. Save that day. You know, straightening out the swamp in Washington, D.C. is is not going to be a one-term project. They they spent, they uh, did everything they could to destroy this administration's first term, and they largely succeeded. He has been able to do more than any president in, in my memory, in modern history, I would argue. But think of how much more he could have gotten done if he had had just a little bit of cooperation in the U.S. Congress. They have squandered this America First agenda that was finally desi- uh, designed to return um, Washington's government in uh, to the service of the American people. They've squandered that. And we're on the cusp now of this second term. And really to follow up and cement what happened in 2016, Trump is absolutely right. We need, the voters need to defeat, to deliver a crushing, crushing, overwhelming landslide defeat of these Democrats across this nation. Now, I know that uh, Trump is probably not going to win California or New York, but just about every other place in the country, I could see Donald Trump and this America First agenda finally taking hold because the American people have seen for four years that he was absolutely right. Now, the media, mainstream media, legacy media, which is becoming day by day more irrelevant, is trying its best to hypnotize and uh, um, brainwash you into believing that uh, the Trump presidency has been a failure. The Trump presidency has not been a failure. The Trump presidency has exposed that the establishment in Washington, D.C. has been a failure and will continue to be a failure unless we totally, thoroughly, and completely rebuke them. we got to run out to a break real quick. We're going to actually get two commercials in, and then we'll be right back to wrap up um, the latest news from this last week. Stick with us. Mojo. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries. So there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars. And it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. 
And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. That's 800-932-1596. Mojo. Well, the segment's running short, and I am just going to limit it to one uh, one spot there. I wanted to play a clip for you. This is a one-minute clip from a uh, an attendee that uh, didn't get inside last night's rally, but was outside. He is a Venezuela legal immigrant from Venezuela, and he's uh, he's basically slamming the Democrats for tr- for proposing the same policies right here in the United States that basically wrecked his uh, his home country. From Venezuela, Hector, what do you have to say to the American people? Well, first of all, it's just like, you know, stand with your principles, stand with the Bill of Rights. There's a lot of countries that do not have a Bill of Rights. I escaped escaped from Venezuela, me and my family, because of socialist policies. You know, how is it possible that the Democratic Party now, they say they're for the people, they want to implement these policies in the United States and destroy the nation? Me, as a legal immigrant in the United States, I always say this, you know, I love my country, but I don't want America to be anything like my country in the way because I escaped from you know, for Venezuela for a reason. So why in the world will I support a party that wants to install socialism into the United States? How is that even coherent? And I always say this to my, you know, my fellow Latinos. We believe in God. We believe, you know, in principles. We believe in personality and, you know, responsibility. That's what we believe as a, you know, as our culture. How in the world are we going to be for people that always want to lend to stuff? I don't want anything from anybody. Since I came to the United States, thank God my parents taught me how to work hard. So there, there you have it. Somebody right out of Venezuela saying exactly what uh, Trump and I have been telling you for the longest time, that the Democrats' policies, if, if were implemented, would do the same thing to the United States that they did to Venezuela. Because there's not enough money to pay for all of the programs that they're promising people in their desperate um, quest for power. And when the money runs short, they're going to have to implement uh, stricter and stricter authoritarian measures to try to hold on to power. The same exact thing that happened in Venezuela, and we should not let it, let it happen here. Well, there was an interesting development yesterday where uh, Barack Obama came out and issued an endorsement of Justin Trudeau to be elected the president of Canada. So uh, apparently uh, the whole argument against interfering in other nations elections, well that's just that's just yesterday's news. We don't we don't buy into that anymore. You have actually have the foreign American president endorsing a candidate who by the way has been exposed as having repeatedly um, dressed up in blackface not 30 years ago, not 40 years ago, as was the case with the governor in Virginia, but about 10 or 12 years ago, maybe maybe 15 years ago. In this, in this century, in, you know, since 2000, not once, not twice, multiple times, can't say how many times it happened, refuses to say. 
because apparently this was a habit of his. So now Barack Obama is endorsing the candidate in Canada who repeatedly dressed up as blackface that the whole Democrat establishment has been uh, condemning as some sort of moral failing. But the really interesting thing about all of this is Barack Obama has come out in support of uh, Justin Trudeau while he has failed or, or refused to support his own vice president for eight years. So you have to ask yourself, why will Barack Obama endorse Justin Trudeau, but he won't endorse his own vice president? And I'll tell you why it is, because Barack Obama, despite what the media will tell you, is far, far, far to the left, far, far further to the left than than Joe Biden. Although Joe Biden became his vice president, he was never as as a committed Marxist as Barack Obama was. And Barack Obama is secretly a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren supporter against his own vice president. He only put Biden on the ticket to try to make himself look more mainstream. But, but he's not. He wants Bernie or Elizabeth to come through or one of the other far-left Democrats. Or maybe, maybe Barack Obama knows just how corrupt Joe Biden is and is afraid it's going to come out in the general election with his, uh, with his actions in the Ukraine and China. <laughs> it's really quite amazing. I, I want to leave you with uh, one little piece of uh, uh, sound right here. This is uh, General Mattis uh, making jokes about tr- President Trump's recent criticism of him. Uh, I do stand before you, as was noted here, uh, really uh, having achieved greatness. I mean, I'm not just an overrated general. I am the greatest, the world's most overrated. (laughs) And this is in no small part. I will tell you, uh, I I owe New York. I owe New York to this. (laughs) That's a guy that's uh, uh, securing himself. And uh, knows how to, you know, fight back in a good-natured way. (laughs) He's not only overrated, he's the most overrated. He is a great general. He did a great job in uh, eradicating ISIS, and uh, he should be uh, acknowledged for that. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you'll join us back here again tomorrow, right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. 
Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.